Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to session number eight. Give me a little bit more. There we go. Um, session number eight, and it's called the eighth day, which is going to be a very, very, very interesting topic. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that opens our eyes and ears to understand the word. So, Father, I pray tonight what I've been praying in every session. Open our minds to understand what we're about to read tonight. Put all the pieces together so we can know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent to save us. And then, Lord, after we know who you are, we can help introduce you to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. These appointed times are part of God's Word. And they are each one revelations of more than dates of, from the past. You're going to see that tonight, maybe even more than you have in other sessions. All of God's appointed times have an impact on the church. It's not just Old Testament. You'll see that tonight too. In fact, all of God's appointed times reveal Jesus. Even though the appointed times that were, we, tonight will be the, first, the last one from Leviticus. Um, 1,500 years before Christ. We've covered the Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, the Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Uh, and tonight is the eighth day. This will be the ending of the appointed times in Leviticus 23. This is the last one in Leviticus. The next three, and there will be three more after tonight, um, will be uh, after the time of Moses. But they are still observed by the Jewish people today. But there's three more. They are the Feast of uh, Dedication, or we call it mostly in the States called Hanukkah. The Feast of Lots, uh, which is Purim. And the Ninth of Av. And most people don't know much about those three, but they're powerful in themselves. But tonight, here we go. What about the eighth day? What is that about? The eighth day is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So how many days is the Feast of Tabernacles last? It specifically lasts seven days. So... If the feast of, if this feast is the eighth day, it's the last day, it's the eighth day, the next day after the seventh day. Took me a while to get there. It's the next day after the seventh day of tabernacles. Now, I, some of you will already think, well, that's an interesting spiritual picture in itself. What happens after the seventh day? If you've been coming to these sessions, I've already kind of hinted about it as we've gone through. Um, the eighth day is the last day after seven days of booths or tabernacles. Many included in the Feast of Tabernacle itself. And in watching the news this past week, many have included it in the Feast of Tabernacles as one event. But it's really not one event, even though they're connected, they're day after day. But it's also celebrated and observed independently. The eighth day, if you all have, hopefully you're looking at calendars when we go through this. So what was the eighth day? What was the eighth day this year? October 7th. 
What, what is October 7th? Saturday, the Sabbath. It was the war began on the morning of the Sabbath. So we will cover this feast in appointed time tonight as independent. The eighth day, and here's what it is actually dedicated to. It is a celebration of the Torah. What's the Torah? The Torah, you'll hear it called the Torah. You'll hear it called the Pentateuch. It's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the books of Moses. It is the celebration of the Torah. Now, why is it a celebration? Because the Jewish people read it in a yearly rotation. So, even to this day, even to this day, they will read the Torah in a one-year cycle. So, the cycle ends on the eighth day. Now, that'll be really interesting later. The cycle of reading the Torah ends on the eighth day. And then they start reading it again. Starts all over. So, tonight, because we know that the Bible is more than the Torah, it's more than Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's also Joshua, Judges, and Ruth all the way to Revelation. So, because we know that, I'm going to be referring to it as a celebration of the Word of God. Not just a celebration of the Pentateuch, the five books, but it's the celebration of the Word itself. So I want you to think about that phrase for a moment. After the seventh day of completion comes the eighth day. And this next, this next line is a typo from me. I don't mean to believe I didn't see it, but I did not see it. So when I say think about this from God's perspective, what comes after the seventh day? I put in there the eighth day, so X through that and write in seventh day. From God's perspective, here's where I want to lay the foundation. From, if, if, this, if this feast or festival, the eighth day, is after the seventh day of completion, from God's perspective, what comes after the seventh day? From God's perspective, not ours, from God's perspective, what comes after the seventh day? So let's go to Leviticus and find the origin of this holiday, this Jewish holiday, which, let me say again, happened this year on October 7th on the Sabbath. Uh, go look, I got a calendar hanging behind my desk, a Jewish calendar. It, it, this eighth day was October 7th, Saturday, the Sabbath, the day the war began. Leviticus 23, and the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin celebrating the festival of shelters on the 15th day of the appointed month, five days after the day of atonement. You notice how every one of these are connected? Five days after atonement will be seven days, which will lead to one day. Anybody with me? Five days after the atonement will be seven days that lead to the eighth day. One day. This festival to the Lord will last for seven days. That festival ended on October 6th. On the first day of the festival, you must proclaim an official day for Holy Assembly. When you do no ordinary work. For seven days, you must present special gifts to the Lord. This is tabernacles or booths. For seven, seven, seven days, you must present special gifts to the Lord. The eighth day, here comes this topic tonight. 
The eighth day is another holy day. That's why it's treated separately. Another holy day on which you must present special gifts to the Lord. This will be a solemn occasion and no ordinary work may be done on that day. Saturday, October the 7th, the day the war began. So what could this shadow, if everything is a shadow in these festivals or feasts, appointed times, if that's a shadow, what would it be a reality of? What follows the seventh day from a spiritual perspective? So let's do something tonight. And I want to be real careful when I do this. We're going to do some what ifs. And when I do a what if, I'm not trying to teach some dogmatic doctrine. I'm trying to open your minds to think from a spiritual perspective. It's a what if. So we're going to do a what if scenario tonight. And I've done it before, so you'll be used to it. What if a day into the Lord is like a thousand years to people on the earth? All right. What if? Okay, what if? Second Peter 3 verse 8 says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. What if God's scale is different than our scale because He's not really in time like we're in time so a thousand years for us is one day to God. And, and that's, what if that's literal from God's perspective? Stay with me. Psalms 90 is a prayer of Moses. And he reveals the same time scale as the apostle Peter. Now, why is that interesting? Because one's in the Old Testament, one's in the New Testament. So God's timetable didn't change between the Old and the New. Here's Psalms 90. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to the dust, you mortals. For you, mortals, a thousand years are like as a passing day, as brief as a night, a few night hours. So what if? What if the first six days of God's creation represent three different periods of human history? Each of those three time periods are equal to two days each to God, but they are equal to 2,000 years each to the people of the earth. What if? So let's go to Exodus chapter 20 and look to see this what if. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. So if that's six days, um, Okay, six days, God made the heavens and the earth. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So what if this creation, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to say, I believe that's literally six days, 24-hour days, not 6,000 years he, he created the heavens and the earth. I believe that's a literal six days. But it becomes, it becomes the standard by which man will be measured after that. What if? What if, what if the breakdown of the six days of God's creation are actually 6,000 years that are broken down as follows? In other words, what if God in his infinite planning 
was going to link the created six days to the time that the earth would exist before he comes on the last day. What if? What if the breakdown of the six days of God's creation are actually 6,000 years that are broken down as follows? What if the first two days were Adam to Abraham? And if you look at the genealogies in the Bible, and they are quite clear, you can come up with 2,000 years. From God's perspective, what if that's two days? Sin, during that first 2,000 years, sin entered the world during those first two days. And God required what? Animal sacrifices to atone for the sin of man. Long before Abraham or the animal sacrifices of the law of Moses, something was happening in the first two days, in the first 2,000 years. What was it? Well, let's just start in the beginning. Adam and Eve sin against God, and they realize their eyes are open, and they see what? That they are naked. They're naked. So they try fig leaves. Doesn't work very good. I'd highly recommend against it today as well. So what, is, what happens? God notices that they're naked and he gets animal skins. How does he get animal skins? Blood. You know, animals don't typically just give up their skins. They, they die in the process of skinning them. So even in the creation itself, God takes blood and covers Adam and Eve. Blood covers their shameful nakedness. So stay with me. This is in the beginning. This is in the first 2,000, the first two days. Now, if you go on, then then you got Cain and Abel. So it isn't just something that God does. What? Shedding blood to cover shameful nakedness. It's something that people do to cover the requirements of God. Let me show it to you. Genesis 4.1. What are we in? We're in the first two days. We're in the first 2,000 years. If a day is to the Lord like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day, we're inside the first 2,000 years of God's creation, which from God is like two days. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, why is that significant? Do you you see a shadow here? Time for the harvest. What, What is this whole Feast of Tabernacles? What is it? It all comes after the harvest. When it's time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. So Cain is bringing what? A grain offering of some kind. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs from his flock. Here we go. Ready? The Lord accepted Abel's and his gift. What was Abel's gift? Blood. Blood. That animal's going to die. When he brought the offering, the animal's going to die. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. And no, don't, don't read over that. 
not just the gift, the person who gave the gift. So he, he's going to accept Abel and Abel's gift of blood, but he's going to reject Cain and Cain's gift of grain. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. Well, how would they know what was right? There's no law of Moses. There's something that they already know, or they wouldn't have already been making sacrifices. Why is Abel bringing a sacrifice, and why is Cain bringing a sacrifice at the end of the harvest? So they already know something. It's not recorded. I'll, I'll give that to you. But he says, but if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, because here it comes. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So what's, what's at stake here? Doing what is right or doing what is wrong? Doing what is acceptable and doing that which is unacceptable. One is called sin and the other is called obedience. And God is making it clear that the choice is before you came. If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. And in that moment, I've always assumed that Cain could go back and make a right sacrifice. If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. So I've now clarified, God can say, I've clarified the, the, my, my expectations from you. It's not grain, it's blood. Go back and make another sacrifice. But sin is crouching at your door. At your door. You know what that is? Free will. You know what it is? It's free will. I've often said it's man's greatest gift and man's greatest curse wrapped in the same package. It's according to what you do with it. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know. Cain responded, am I my brother's guardian, my brother's keeper? Let me make something really clear in this first 2,000 years, two days. There are no Hebrews inside these first two days. There's no Israelites, no Jews. No, no, that's all in the next group of time. This is Adam to Abraham. That didn't happen. The Hebrews didn't happen until days three and four. The next 2,000 years begin with Abraham the first Hebrew, the first Israelite, the first Jew, whatever title you want to give them. And he becomes the father of the Jewish people. Abraham's blood sacrifice. Now, what are we connecting? In the first two days, there were blood sacrifices. Obviously, they knew about it because I just read it to you. God, who made the first blood sacrifice? God. What did he do with it? He covered the shameful nakedness of Adam and Eve. See the shadow? And who made the next one? Well, looks like Abel. But Cain refuses. And he sheds a man's blood instead of animal's blood. And that's in the first two days, first 2,000 years. Here comes Abraham. Now, this is after the flood. And I'm going to touch on the flood in a moment. I'll go back and touch on that. Abraham's blood sacrifice was his son Isaac. 
But God provided a substitute blood offering, a lamb. But not before Ishmael appears. Before Ishmael, not before Ishmael appears. And what is Ishmael? Ishmael is almost like a cane. It's man's way of reaching God. Cain thought he could reach God by developing his own sacrificial standards. And it failed. Abraham and his wife Sarah, leaning more towards Sarah, came up with the idea that we can reach God and achieve his promise our way. Uh, let's do it our way. It had been a long time. God had made a promise. It's been a long time. And, and man, let me just say, there's a whole lot of times you should listen to your wife, and there's sometimes you should not. And when your wife suggests bringing another woman home, it, that would be one of those times <laughs> that you say, this is not a good idea. So Ishmael comes, and, and now we've got, we, we've got something totally new in the story. Now, now we've got a fork in Abraham's tree that, let me say something, I'm going to cut to a shadow that manifests itself in a major way on October 7th. It's the fork in the tree. It's Ishmael. It's the Arabs. That's who do you think Hamas is? So I don't want to get sidetracked. Let's keep going. The 2,000 years began with Abraham uh, led... It led to Moses leading to the children of Abraham and Israel out of bondage. So Abraham to Moses, what, four or five hundred years. And then they're in bondage and then they're led out of Egyptian bondage. Now, now here's, where, here's the next scene. How did they get out of Egyptian bondage in the third and fourth day? The next 2,000 years after Adam to Abraham. How did they get out of bondage? The blood of the Lamb. We've studied it. It's called Passover. God used the family of Abraham, the Jewish people, to reveal his glorious plan to the whole world during this 2,000-year period, this second set of two days, the third and fourth day. From the Jewish people, we have the Old Testament, the revelation of God and his plan to redeem mankind. 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, animal blood sacrifices to atone the sin of man. Even before the Jews, even before the law of Moses, they were offering animal blood sacrifices. God did it first, Cain did it second, Abel did it second. But even with the animal sacrifices from the time of Cain and Abel, God destroys all mankind except the family of Noah. Now, you want something to blow your socks off? Here we go. Even with animal sacrifices, violence and sin had spread across the earth so much that God decided he was going to start all over. And twice in the book of Genesis, it, you have to write it down, Genesis 6.11 and Genesis 6.13, there's a word that's used called violence. And he says that they were filled with violence, that the people of the earth were filled with violence. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Do you know what the Hebrew word for violence is? 
Hamas. If you don't believe me, open your phone and say, Siri, give me the Hebrew word for violence. And she will say, Hamas. What is it on the earth in the time of Noah? There was a spirit. We can't understand it. The sons of God had relations with the daughters of man. And there was something happening that was unnatural. And there was an evil spirit that had come upon the earth. And he, God said that the whole earth is covered with Hamas. And because the whole earth has become covered with Hamas, I will destroy everyone with Hamas in them. And there were only eight without Hamas. Noah, Mrs. Noah, Sham, Ham, and Japheth, and the Mrs. That's it. Jesus says that the return of the Son of Man will be as it was in the days of Noah. Now, there's a whole lot we can think about what that means, but out tonight, I want you to understand that even with animal sacrifices, Hamas brought the judgment of God upon the earth. Hamas is a demonic spirit. Is anybody listening? It is a demonic spirit that brings the judgment of God to the people. That's what happened in the time of Noah. So let's go to Genesis 6, 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that every, he, he observed the, the extent of Hamas on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That is a demonic spirit. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Why? He was not filled with Hamas. He's different. 2,000 years, two days, from Abraham to Jesus. We have the law of Moses and the animal blood sacrifices to atone for the sin of man. We have the day of atonement where the priest can go in once a year and atone for the blood, right? But the shadows have been revealed to Moses through the appointed times. Listen, the shadows are becoming more clear. By the time you get to day three and day four, the shadows are starting to take shape. The appointed times, looking from our way back, the appointed times are the revelation of something way bigger than animal sacrifices, right? Something's coming. Something's coming. And they could tell something's coming. That brings us to days five and six. The 2,000 years or two days to God that have passed from us, okay, passed from the time of Jesus to today. And let me say this, and we are obviously toward the end of those 2,000 days, and nobody knows how far we are into that 2,000, year, 2000 years, which is two days. But I can tell you this for sure. Hamas has become center stage 
on the eighth day. I need you to get this. Suddenly, Hamas has become center stage. And what day did it become center stage of the earth? On the eighth day. Wow, what a coincidence. Interesting, isn't it? We call these 2,000 years that we now live in the church age. The time when God would offer light to the Gentiles. And as He reveals light to the Gentiles, light to us, He is fulfilling the scripture that is read by the priest at the Feast of Tabernacles. I, re- I shared this with you last week. I hope you can still, hope your memory is not that short. During this, on the last of the seventh day before the eighth day, the end of Feast of Tabernacles, the priest would read this scripture. They still read this scripture today. This one, Isaiah 49. He says, you, God the Father says to Jesus the Son, the Messiah, you will do more than restore people of Israel to me. I want you to imagine the father speaking to his son. And by the way, this is Isaiah. The son hasn't come. Jesus hadn't come yet, 700 years before Christ. You will do more, Jesus, than restore the people of Israel to me. This is read on the last of the days of tabernacles. I will make you, God the father to the son, I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The church age will begin. I will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Through whom? The Messiah that hasn't even come yet. If, what if, okay, let's do a what if. What if these 6,000 years, six days to God, will close out the church age and end with the Sabbath? What if? 6,000 years and then you'll have one day, 1,000 years, which will be the Sabbath, the day of rest. What's the Sabbath? It's the first one we did in this series. It's the day of rest. And if it is one day, the Sabbath is one day, it's a thousand years of rest upon the earth after Hamas. After Hamas. It will be as it was in the days of Noah after Hamas has been dealt with, right? So what if Jesus is the Sabbath rest? We touched on that in the first session. And the Sabbath rest of Jesus is the millennial reign of Jesus on this present earth. One day with Jesus, which is a thousand years reigning on this present earth, And his name is the last Adam. Before the new heaven and the new earth are revealed of Revelation 21, what if there's one day, 1,000 years, and it's a Sabbath that comes after the sixth is the seven before the eight. You with me? After the six is the one which is seven, the thousand-year reign of Christ, one day. And after that is Revelation 21. And I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first heaven and the first earth that passed away, and there's no longer any sea. The eighth day. What if? 
Y'all with me? I'm getting that look from some of y'all. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The scriptures tell us that the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, the last Adam, who is that? Jesus. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. And what comes first is the natural body, and then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, Adam, sin nature, mortal, we will one day be like the heavenly man, purified from sin and immortal flesh. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical body, the Adam body that we have right now, Adam, sin nature, mortal flesh, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our current physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is eternal. What we're wearing right now is mortal. It won't fit in that world. It won't work. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. It's not a secret if he reveals it to you, is it? We will not all die. There will be a generation that will not see death. But we will all be transformed. And just because you don't die doesn't mean you won't be changed. Because you're still going to have to get a new body. You got to take off this mortal flesh and put on immortal flesh. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. There's one of those trumpets again. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died, let's say that's the believers who have already been dead and buried, they will be raised to live forever. And we who are living, that's us in the room right now, will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So why do I, why do I deal with that in that context? The last Adam. Okay, Jesus is called in this text the last Adam. Don't wait for another one. He's the last one. The last Adam was a life-giving spirit. Giving life and etern an eternal body to those who will reign with him. To those who will reign with him for 1,000 year rest upon the earth. The millennial reign of Christ on this present earth. Which tonight I will call the Sabbath. The seventh day. You with me? Something's going to happen during the millennium that you will need to have a long, you'll, you'll have to live longer to experience it because it's a thousand years. And I don't know anybody who's a thousand years old right now. So in Hebrews 4 verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest. Why does he keep using the word rest? And what does Sabbath mean? God's promise to enter his rest still stands. Somebody say hallelujah. Right now tonight, I want everybody to understand. God's promise, his offer of entering his rest, his Sabbath. And for tonight's what if discussion, what if that is specifically 
1,000 years of Sabbath rest with Jesus on the present earth in a new body. Okay? Stay with me. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience this rest. Does everybody get this rest? No. Did everybody get on Noah's boat? No. No. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was announced to them. Now, this is New Testament, and he's talking about it was announced in the Old and it's announced in the New, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Just as it was announced. Uh, uh, it had been announced just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. This is so important. So he just identified what gets the rest, faith. Hearing about the rest is not going to get you the rest. Faith in Jesus is what's going to get you to the place experiencing the rest. It did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter this rest. Only believers will enter this seventh day rest the millennial reign of Christ in immortal flesh. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. What can undo that, undo that oath? Nothing. Nothing can undo that oath. They will never enter my place of rest. You know what that means? You are lost. You are lost. Even though this rest, are you ready? This is big. I got a big star beside of it. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. You think this six-day creation and one-day Sabbath was something that has part of a plan? This plan? Even though this rest was planned from when he made the world. Here we go. We know it is ready. What? The Sabbath. This plan. It's ready to be fulfilled. We know it's ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. What is the seventh day? It's this place of rest that you're going to get to experience with Christ through faith. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter for those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Does everybody get this? No. So God set another time. So I want, I want to pose a what if. What if that, let me, let me see. God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who heard, first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So I'm going to take the first two periods of time, the first 2,000 years, 2,000 years. The time of Noah, did they enter the rest? No. It says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but there was too much Hamas. So what about the time of Abraham to Jesus? Did the Jewish people receive the Messiah? This rest is obtained by putting your faith in Messiah. Well, Messiah hadn't come yet. So what's, going to, what's it going to mean for them? Will all of them be saved? 
For, so they disobeyed God. They disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. Another time outside of Noah and the judgment, outside of the, the law of Moses, he set another time, another time for entering his rest. What is it? And that time is today. You're in it. Right now, you're in. You are in it right now. It's the church age. The door is open. The blood of the Lamb is there. You can put your faith in Him today. The door is open. He sat another time. Let me keep going. God announced this through David. Much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua, that's when he's going into the promised land, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. If the rest that we keep talking about, the Sabbath rest, if it's the rest, the rest, the rest, the rest, if that were Israel making it to the promised land in the time of Moses and Joshua, he would have never set another day. That's the preview. That's the shadow. It's not the main event. There's another day. It was in the future. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them, Israel, this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter this rest. But if we, church, Disobey God as the people of Israel did. We will fall. Is obedience important in faith? Can you read? For if we disobey as they did, we will fall. For the word, and listen, if you ever need context on anything in your entire life, this is it. Do you see the context of tonight's discussion? And what is the very next verse? For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. You know where He puts the Word of God? Right next to the rest. If you want the rest, you better find the Word. So here we go. Bunch of what-ifs. What if we are the generation that will experience the end of the sixth day? What if God gave the people, Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years? He gave them two days. And what if God gave the Jewish people 2,000 years, two days? And what if God gave the Gentiles and the church, us, 2,000 years, two days? And what if the end of the 6,000 years comes in our generation? What if the end of the sixth day comes in our generation when a mosque covers the earth like in the days of Noah? What if? Y'all need me to say that again? What if when Jesus refers to it as in the days of Noah, he is also being able to connect not just 
people buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage and evil. But Hamas is a word unto itself. Violence. And what was Hamas? A demonic spirit of evil covering the earth as it was in the days of Noah. And what if the sixth day ends with the rapture of the church? When the last Gentile comes to the last Adam. So let's go back to the original sixth day of God's creation. God made man. Stay with me. This is important. The Jewish rabbis tell us that God made Adam on the foundation stone. It is not in the Bible. You won't find it. I can assure you that the Jewish rabbis believe it. That God formed Adam from the dust of the earth on a stone called the foundation stone and then placed him, then after forming him, giving him life, then placed him in the Garden of Eden. That first man, Adam, began the first 2,000 years, the first two days of humanity, Adam to Abraham. And where did Abraham go to offer his blood sacrifice? Where? Mount Moriah, right? You know what Mount Moriah is? The foundation stone. The same place. That Abraham-Isaac event began the next 2,000 years of humanity. And where was Mount Moriah located? Where was the foundation stone? Both were what would be future Jerusalem. Abraham to Jesus was the second group of 2,000 years. 4,000 years or four days. Jesus is today, excuse me, Jesus to today is also some 2,000 years. And where did Jesus go to make his blood sacrifice? Jerusalem. Jerusalem for Adam. Jerusalem for Abraham. And Jerusalem for Jesus. And let me ask you a question. Where is God's throne? On the earth. He said, this is the place of my throne for all eternity. Where? Jerusalem. What does Hamas want? Jerusalem. What does Ishmael want? Jerusalem. What's the war about? Jerusalem. What will happen three and a half years into the tribulation? I hope after the rapture of the church. The Antichrist will stand on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and proclaim to the world, I am God. He wants Jerusalem. Can you see it? 2,000, 2,000, 2,000 equals 6,000 years, or in God's perspective, six days. And what if, what if the sixth day ends with the rapture of the church, the last Gentile coming to the last Adam? And what if the rapture of the church opens one last week? It's called the 70th week of Daniel. Or some scripture calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. One seven-year period 
in which God will reach out to the Jewish people before the Sabbath rest begins, before the millennial reign of Christ. What if? Romans eleven twenty five. I've referred to it a couple of times. Let me read it. I want you to understand. He's writing to the Gentile church. I want you to understand Gentile church, this mystery, so that you will not feel proud, Gentile church, about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, and this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And I believe that is a reference to the close of the church age. When the full number of Gentiles comes in, the church age closes. The door that has opened will close. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from where? Jerusalem. And he will turn Israel away from their ungodliness. And this will be my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. When will the last Gentile come to the last Adam? Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know. But what if? Listen carefully. What if the seventh day is the kingdom of Jesus on this present earth that will occur before the eighth day? The eighth day comes at the end of the last harvest. The door of harvest at that point will be permanently closed. The seventh day, let me say this, is called rest. It's called the Sabbath and it is glorious. King Jesus will be in Jerusalem and Satan will be in prison. No Hamas on the earth. Do you understand that the seventh day, the Sabbath rest, the millennial reign of Jesus on this present earth, not a burned up new heaven, new earth, this present earth. Do you know what that means? Two things is all it takes to happen. Jesus will be in Jerusalem and Satan will be in prison. Two things. Isaiah 65, and this is what will happen. This is it. Look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. This is not the one that's in Revelation 21. No, I'll show it. I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in Jerusalem no more. No longer will babies die when they're only a few days old. No longer will adults die when they have, when they have lived, uh, they, before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And only the cursed will die that young. But listen carefully. There are people that are dying during this time. So it's not the new heaven and the new earth. Not yet. This is not Revelation 21. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees. So if you're 65 years old and you go out in your yard and decide you're going to plant a tree, you can say it would be a good idea because you'll live long enough to see that thing shade. My people will live as long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. Do you see what he's doing? There will be some on the earth with eternal flesh, and there will be some born on the earth still in mortal flesh. 
And they'll both be on the earth during this 1,000-year reign of Christ. Some will be subject to death. Some will be not subject to death. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune, for they are people blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. And while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. It won't just affect people. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow, but the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. Who can stop him? If that, what I just read, is the seventh day, if that is the 1,000 years when Jesus will reign on this present earth as King of Kings, well, I can hardly say the next part. What do you think the eighth day is going to be like? You see, at the end of the seventh day, Satan will be released for a short time. And a rebellion will rise on those born on the earth during the thousand years. And once again, they will come and try to unseat Christ. It won't work. So let me ask you again, what do you think the eighth day will be? John seven thirty-seven. We're going back to Jesus at the last day of tabernacles. Okay? On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. He shouts, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into His glory. The eighth day is a day. What's the fundamental purpose of the eighth day? It is the day for the Jewish people to celebrate the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, the Word of God. Notice the promise, the prophetic promise covenant of God regarding the word written on the hearts of people in the future. In the future, God's going to do something so supernatural that he's going to write the word that right now is alive in my hand. He's going to write it upon the hearts of the Jewish people in a new covenant. Here, here it is. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel, specifically Israel. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. It is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day, and the moon and the stars to light the night, and who stirs the sea into roaring waves. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and this is what he says. I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. This is what the Lord says, just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will never consider casting them away for the evil they have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
So when you see what's happening in Israel right now, I want you to read that to yourself. It's part of the plan, but he will not abandon his people somehow. Adam is given life on the foundation stone of future Jerusalem. 2,000 years, two days, Adam to Abraham. Abraham is on Mount Moriah of future Jerusalem. 2,000 years, two days to Jesus. Jesus in Jerusalem. His death, his burial, his resurrection in Jerusalem. 2,000 2000 years, two days to the end of the church age, the rapture of the church. And I'm asking, will Jerusalem be in the eighth day? If Jerusalem was in all the other days, it was in the foundation stone, it's Abraham and Isaac, it's Jesus. Will Jerusalem be in the eighth day? What happens after the seventh day? After the thousand years rest on the present earth, the new Jerusalem will happen. The new Jerusalem. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, here it comes, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven out of, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, look, what? What's he saying? God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Jerusalem is in the eighth day. The new Jerusalem. The eighth day will be the eternal, eternal celebration of the word, the Son of God, and the Father will both be on the new heaven and the new earth. Here's something that I'm, af I'm afraid a lot of people still don't understand this truth. It's found in the last chapter of Revelation. When Jesus is reigning on the earth during the millennial reign under the Sabbath, the Father is still in heaven. The Son sits on David's throne in Jerusalem. Listen carefully. On the eighth day, it changes. In the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the Father and the Son, I got goosebumps again. The Father and the Son will both be here. Both. First time. It's not happened until that happens. Do you know how I know it? Because I can read. Jesus the Son reigns on the replenished but not final earth during the millennium. But the Bible tells us that the Father and the Son will both be on the new earth that will come on the eighth day. Listen, and when it comes, the eighth day is what? The festival. It's a shadow. What is it? It is a celebration of the word. Internal celebration of the word of God. Because we will be with the word forever in the eighth day. Let me read it to you. Then the angel showed me a river with water of life, 
clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. You go read whatever translation you want, and they are both the throne of God and of the Lamb. They are spoken of separately, but they're both here on the new earth. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with the fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be any curse, no Hamas upon anything. For the throne of God the Father and of the Lamb the Son will be there. Where? On the eighth day on the new earth. And his servants will worship him. You ready? And they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. And then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets. I want to hold it up. Because where do you think all this stuff came from? The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angels, his angel to tell the servants what will happen soon. That is the eighth day. Forever in the word. Forever celebrating the word. What is the eighth day in the Jewish festival? The celebration of the word of God. The eighth day. Two scriptures. Where did the word come from? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and God spoke. God said. What do you think the word is? God said. What did he say? Let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And the evening passed and morning came. Guess what? The first day. What will it be like? So here comes Jesus. In John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. What was the Word doing in the beginning? Creating light out of darkness. In the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Here's the summary tonight. The eighth day is forever with the Word, forever celebrating the Word. The church forever celebrating the word. The harvest is over in the eighth day and the eternal kingdom has begun. And you and I will tabernacle with God forever. Do you know what Jesus says in the same context of Revelation 22? In fact, it's the very next verse. What a good closing. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. It will be like it was in the days of Noah. When Hamas covered the earth. 
violence covered the whole earth. Put your house in order. Tell your family members, tell your friends. No one man knows the day or the hour. But those who have the Spirit, the children of the day, the children of the light, will know He's coming soon. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding, for opening our minds. Now, Lord, may the power of the Spirit be manifest in Your church. Put oil in our lamps and light in our lives while we wait for Your return. And may the Son of Man come and find faith upon the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.